0: Is the 4th of July weekend, I guess. I don't know if last weekend was or this weekend is. Either way, I hope you're out and enjoying yourselves outdoors. Welcome to the program this morning fourth of july falling on a thursday is kind of a kind of a strange one i guess there are some people i know out there started their fourth of july weekend last weekend and are taking it all the way up through tomorrow so congratulations to you guys but obviously our lakes are our state parks our national parks everything just uh, crammed overflowing here as the fourth of july has come and gone but um I don't know where you're going to try and avoid the crowds. I just don't think it exists anymore. So it is a part of life. The good news is everybody is out enjoying the outdoors. And I hope uh, that you and your family have had a great fourth and continue to enjoy it as the weekend progresses. Now, one of the places, obviously, that has drawn a lot of traffic and does every year at this time is Lake Powell. And Lake Powell, the people who have to work down there are um, just swamped, literally, with what's going on down there, especially law enforcement. And that's a thankless job at the best of times. And certainly, over the 4th of July, it keeps everybody busy. The Lake Powell situation, obviously... Has uh, has changed a lot over the years. One of the things that has happened, of course, is that it gets busier and busier as time goes on. But water levels continue to fluctuate. And with the water coming up this year, because of all the water we had in that Colorado River drainage basin uh, for the uh, for last winter, it means that the lake level is rising. Obviously, we've had a problem with quagga mussel. In, the, uh, in Lake Powell, that's where the, really the genesis of our Lake Powell or our quagga mussel problem has been through the state of Utah, and the rising water does not help it any uh, because obviously those mussels that were out of water for um, for significant periods of time are now covered with water, and it means more mussels that are in the lake. It means that uh, the opportunity to have mussels inside the boat, whether it's in the sea strainers or other systems in your boat, uh, for those who have ballast Tanks and fill their ballast tanks with them. It means that you've got an opportunity to pick up more of those muscles as they continue to be floated by the rising waters. That means that the chance of moving muscles around again in our state is enhanced. And that means that law enforcement, the folks who are charged with trying to make sure that all of us act responsibly and keep those muscles at least isolated to Lake Powell as much as possible, those people have an extra difficult task. Joining us now is Scott Dalebout, who is... um, who is the law enforcement officer over the uh, Quagga muscle efforts in the state of Utah? Joins me this morning, and uh, and Scott, welcome to the uh, to the program. It is, uh, I am sure, a tough task for you guys at the best of times, and these are not the best of times.
1: No, sir. First of all, thanks for having me on your show. Yeah, it, it's pretty rough times right now. Our, our folks are working really hard, and they're tired, and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty difficult right now.
0: Now, obviously, because of the anticipated problem increasing, it means that uh, there's going to be strain on the existing resources. I know you have added not only people, but you've added places where uh, you can either decontaminate or there are check stations. Talk to me about someone leaving Lake Powell this weekend, because I know there's still a lot of folks down there, or any weekend what is going to be required of them that is different maybe than in the past or opportunities to to have locations where they can satisfy the legal requirements that are different in the past
1: great if we're going to have more uh, locations around lake powell uh, so folks can get their boats decontaminated at Bullfrog. We have extra folks uh, there to help out. And on the Canab side, on the Waweep side, we have an inspection station just outside of Canab where we can uh, take a look at boats as well. Uh, we'd like to get as many boats taken care of right at the lake. That just makes it easier for everybody involved. Uh, we'll have enforcement officers in various places to make sure people are complying. We're just, we're very concerned that these, Craters don't get into our water infrastructure. in Northern Utah it would just be devastating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, now clarify for me because I have got to admit my ignorance. But I know that if the mussels, for example, are attached to the cliffs and and they're dry, um, and then the water comes up, are these mussels still alive? Can they still be revived, or are they just simply the shells that are that are going to be dislodged, uh, but that they can't reproduce or they can't continue to uh, uh, to, to have problems with them, other than the fact that they're just the husk of what was left? Or or can they kind of be revived with water adding to them?
1: No, you're correct. They they cannot be. Uh, the ones, the shells floating around, those those are dead. Uh, but it's still unlawful to possess even the shells, yep. dead shells. And so we're trying to get these cleaned off the folks' boats before they are out of there as well. So it's, it's the live mussels I'm mostly worried about, but we have veligers as well that are in the lake, which is microscopic um, young mussels. And right. And those can live inside the boat for, for weeks. Wow. Uh, so we want everybody to drain their boats um, so those don't get transported.
0: So there are a couple of ways, a couple of things to do, right? One of them, I guess, is the hot wash down or that the, the, you can actually wash the boat. But that is not a substitute for getting the boat decontaminated, right?
1: That's correct. Just a simple wash will not do it. It'll make it look clean, but it doesn't kill the critters that are inside the infrastructure, the pipes, the plumbing, everything inside the boat. We so, have to spray the 140, 120 to 140 degree water throughout that to kill everything.
0: So if you're coming off the lake, let's say you're coming off the lake tomorrow and uh, and you're leaving Lake Powell, what what are you required to do? And then let's talk about what you have the ability to do if if you want to take the time and the effort. The requirement is to do what?
1: To drain all the water out of your boat. Take the plug out of your boat and leave it out of your boat if you're leaving Lake Powell. uh, Drain all your water systems, ballast tanks, live wells, bilge, everything. uh, Clean off any muscles that you see on your boat. Uh, And then um, if if you're coming out of Lake Powell, there will be... Inspection stations right at the boat ramps at the top of the boat ramps, so you're required to stop there for inspection. And and any inspection stations or administrative checkpoints along the highway back home, you're required to stop at those as well.
0: And and that's so that's the bare minimum. You have to drain, drain and dry everything, and spray it off, and clean it out, and run it. And and that just allows you. So that's your requirement to leave the lake. Additionally, though, if you've got um, you've got to decontaminate it some point in time correct
1: yes if we we have mussels on there we'll have a decontamination Uh, if there's no mussels we can wait a dry dry time Um, but some people don't want to wait that long and I understand that this time of year it's seven days and I know a lot of folks would want to get back on the water somewhere so um, there's places around that we can Um, decontaminate your boat. On our website, it has all the locations and how to get a hold of folks who make appointments.
0: Yeah, you've added some places, especially in the I-15 corridor, right? So if you're leaving Lake Powell, for example, Sand Hollow, uh, you could get a decontamination done there. I know Yuba, you've got one. You've got Deer Creek, correct? Uh, I mean, there are several decontamination points, Utah Lake, that you don't have to decontaminate at Lake Powell, but you have to have, at bare minimum, you have to have the drain and dry situation.
1: Correct. And any muscles that you happen to see on your body have to be removed.
0: Okay. Well, I'll tell you. And then, of course, I guess the alternative is that you obviously risk uh, the citation, which I know you guys don't want to do, and certainly nobody wants to get a citation, but you have to comply with a few minimum things, because we've done a great job in this state, I think, of containing the muscle problem uh, because of the responsible acts of most voters, but there's still a few that decide that, hey, I don't need to worry about it, or I'm not about to, or I'm not going to get caught, um, those few make it difficult for everybody.
1: That's exactly right. And, and I don't know why they, they choose to violate. Maybe they're just in a hurry or what. I don't know. But we're so worried about our infrastructure and our water supply that um, they will be cited. If they do not comply we we wrote several dozen citations last year for folks that failed to to stop and comply
0: with these rules so. yeah and and what is the citation by the way what what are they risking? What does it cost
1: oh well, it it varies depending on exactly what the violation is. it could be one hundred and fifty bucks up to Six hundred and eighty dollars depending on the violation
0: yeah so it I mean you really have to be in a hurry to to want to risk that uh, and especially now because you've got so much more uh, attention being paid to it for obvious reasons in that it is much more critical this year than it has been in previous years because the exposure the amount of mussels floating in the water things of that nature at Lake Powell has increased because of the changing water level, correct
1: that is correct and it's just going to continue to get worse Uh, hopefully we have a full lake eventually and the mussels will just fade away somewhere downstream or whatever but we have to be diligent. I know our public has been super supportive, and we really appreciate that. And I know people are getting tired of this. and We're, we're fatigued as well, but we just have to be diligent all the time.
0: Yeah, and it, and it doesn't just affect boaters. I mean, uh, th- this problem, the way it was manifest in the Great Lakes, for example, these these things are not just problematic for boaters and fishermen and water skiers and everything else. I mean, down the line, if it gets out of hand, you've got problems with the electrical generating turbines. Turbines. I mean, these things can get into other parts of our water system that can create even more problems other than just recreation.
1: That's absolutely right. That's what we're most worried about. The turbines at Lake Powell, and if it gets up north, it'll get into our uh, irrigation system. Uh, you know, Utah's the second driest state in the country, and we have a very complex water system. And it can get into that, and it costs millions of dollars if it gets in there to, to clean it out and fix and replace Pipes and and our, the the water users are simple taxpayers. Right at the very end of the line, they're we're the ones, not them. Us, we, you, yeah. and me, we're the ones that end up having to pay in the in the very end to to keep the pipes repaired and clean and going.
0: Well, Scott, I know you've had a Herculean week, uh, a couple of weeks probably because of the uh, amount of traffic it got the week before. And the summer doesn't do anything but continue to, uh, to get more more busy down at Lake Powell. So, uh, again, thanks for the job you guys are doing. And just a word to the wise out there, folks, if you're going to Lake Powell, make sure that you take care of the decon situation. If you don't do it at the lake, fine. If you don't want to wait there, do it on your way back home. Do it as soon as you get home. Or make sure you wait the seven days, but whatever you do, be a responsible boater. You know, I think our boating public, on the whole, has done a great job in keeping it contained. You know, the lakes that we were concerned about over the years, Deer Creek uh, and and Sand Hollow and Electric Lake and places like that, where they they thought they found villagers. The fact that we've been able to contain that and have those certified now as quagga free. Kind of as a testament to how what a great job you guys have done. But we need to continue to be vigilant. Otherwise, we're, we're going to find this thing is, is going to spread. And, um, and the genesis of it is Lake Palm. So if you can stop it there, then we can get a good handle on it and keep the handle that we have. But it requires the public because law enforcement can't do it by themselves.
1: Absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And then please, please, please stop in stop inspection stations, get your boat inspected, and let's keep the problem there, as you said. So thank
0: you. Hey, Scott, thank you. And, uh, and again, thanks for the job you guys do down there and, and elsewhere around the state. It's uh, I know it's thankless. Most times the contacts are people who are not happy to see you, but you're protecting everybody and everybody's uh, vested interest in what's going on with our water system as well. So, uh, again, thanks, and thanks for joining me this morning. Hope you've had a good Fourth and hope you get a little R&R coming up in the next few days. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. You too. Take care. Uh, all right, uh, Scott uh, Dale about who is with the uh, Division of Wildlife Resources, he's the chief quagga guy. I mean, he's the guy that is tasked with making sure that uh, that things stay the way they are and that is contained at Lake Powell. It's going to be tough. So, folks, if you're out there boating, whether it's this weekend or any other, please be responsible. Stop at those check stations. Uh, whether you're going to Lake Powell or not, stop at the check stations along the way that you're required to do by law. Uh, Because nobody wants to see those tickets, least of all uh, the law enforcement people as well. Listen, we're going to step aside. We'll take a break. When we come back, George Summer will join us along with Gary Winterton, and we will be talking fishing. Hope you're out having a great, uh, extended Fourth of July celebration with you and yours. We'll be back in just a moment. Still reaching back. How the day the music died. Used to make me smile. Yeah, little Don
1: McLean. Strange
0: song. That but I uh, could make the great sentiment.
1: Dance and maybe they'd be happy ah, yes.
0: All right, welcome back, everybody. Yeah, got Jake. He's uh, reaching outside the box today for our music selection, but we're still getting back old school, and that's okay. I'll tell you what, I loved Buddy Holly. Still enjoy his music. That was good stuff. Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens all in one plane crash. Oh. And people out there under 50 are going, who? What? What are you talking about? Welcome back to the show, everybody, on this uh, 4th of July. I guess it's the 4th of July weekend. I don't know what you call it when the 4th is on a Thursday. Um Just a good excuse to extend the weekend, if nothing else. So welcome back, everybody, and it's time to talk some fishing. And, of course, George Sommer joins us every week. And... uh it is no different this week. We've got him. Uh, he, the, question, the only question is, was he out doing R&D this week along with the masses? Because obviously, it's a, a very busy whatever you're going to be, whether it was midweek or the weekend. So, George, welcome to the show. And um, did you get out is the question.
2: Well, unfortunately, Steve, I, I chickened out, <laughs> so I did not get out.
0: That's okay.
2: Um, I just figured I'd wait till the holidays over when it's a little less crowded, you know. And, and you know what you mentioned earlier that the tough part is, you know, half the people are leaving um, over the weekend going through the fourth, and the other half are leaving yeah. before the fourth and going through the next weekend. So I thought uh, I'll wait till it's a little <laughs> less crowded the following week, and then I'm going to do some some definite R and D. But you know, I do have some good reports from uh, some friends that were out and. You know, I think people there's going to be some good fishing. It might just be a little crowded.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Places are going to get pounded uh, quite a bit. But the good news is, from what I'm hearing, and you and I talked before we started the show today, is that uh, that Willard Bay is in that that kind of that prime area right now, where those of us who uh, Willard Bay is a dirty word to the last few years, this is your chance to maybe get get well again by going to Willard. You said last week you did pretty well bass fishing but apparently some of the other uh, fish have turned on as well
2: yeah you know i I was talking to some friends and they were up there the same day i was and and they went walleye and wiper fishing and and you know i I missed it by that much so i I tried trolling for a little bit while the wind was up and and i went too slow and and they whacked them you know one of one of the guys limited out in 20 minutes wow walleye um and he was just the same kind of program I had, and but I was going two miles an hour. He was going two and a half to two and three quarter miles an hour. Man, that is, so, uh,
0: yeah, that, that, I mean that's fast. That's you know that's big motor trolling. You control usually with your big engine at that speed.
2: Exactly, you know, and and I I, I started out doing that, and I thought, huh, this is a little too fast. You know, I I don't think it's going to work, and and. Well, what I was doing didn't work, but it worked for them. And then <laughs> you know, I got another report from uh, somebody else that was up there, and they were going as, as fast as three and a half, and whacking the wipers. So you know, it's, it's definitely above what I was doing. I was doing one one point six to two, um, and it sounds like it's two to three and a half miles an hour to, to get those other species that that I messed up on. You know, I, I can't say I had a bad day, but. It could have been better.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, bass fishing success is not bad, uh, but from an eating standpoint, obviously those walleye are are really good. So, they uh, pulling pulling crank baits. Are they pulling, uh, pulling, are they pulling uh, worm harnesses? What uh, what what seemed to be the best way to catch them?
2: Uh, a little bit of both. Um, you know, uh, uh, more of an Indiana blade on the crawler harnesses, and then cranks. Um, the uh, same kind of program I had. I, I was using a frenzy flicker shot. Um, yeah, but again, I just wasn't going fast enough, and, and it sounded like it was it was a little shorter in using snap weights. So. <laughs>
0: So let's talk about that technique for for a minute, because a lot of people, uh, I've never used a snap weight. I've got to tell you, I mean, I know the technique, but there are times when it can be very effective. So let's talk about a rig for a snap weight. If you don't have a down rigger and you want to get that that flicker shad or any other crankbait deeper than it would normally dive with the bill, talk about the snap weight and, and how people rig it.
2: So, I mean, it's the it's simplest program going. We call it the poor man's downrigger. <laughs> so the key component is the, the release. Um, offshore makes a little release, and, and I can't remember the number, unfortunately, off the top of my head, but it's got a little pin in the middle of it. Um, that's the key part. And then banana weights, and usually I'll stock banana weights from one ounce, to five ounces, depending on the depth I need to be at. Um, so the, the release comes with a split ring. So you thread that on the bottom of the release, and then you hook your, your banana weight on there so the little chain is dangling down. That's kind of a keel. Um, and then what, you'll let out however much line. If you're doing kokanee, it's typically going to be 30 to 45 feet. And then you just reach up and snap that. The key part is making sure that the line is under the pin, um, and then that way you don't lose your snap weight let out whatever else you know how how much else line you need out um and then you're trolling um and it's quick and easy to get down you know with that different assortment of of weights that you can get down cover all the depths it can't go 80 feet but you're going to be covering everything you need especially at this time of year with the way the water is um it's quick and easy You, you reel it up you get to the the snap, you just pinch it off, drop it in the bottom of the boat, reel the fish to the net.
0: Wow. Well, I'll tell you, and if you got any questions on that, if you go see our our buddies at uh, Sportsman's Warehouse, they'll show you how to rig it. But it is a poor man's downrigger, and there are times when uh, it'll actually outfish a downrigger. So, you know, and it's a whole bunch easier to do. So, um, again, planer boards, something else to think about as well. Get that that lure out to the side of the boat, especially with walleye and you're fishing in shallower water. They'll sometimes scatter when that boat comes over. And if you've got that planer board out to the side it's an easy way to pick up some of those fish that would normally be outside the parameters of where your bait is going to attract them so um, be sure and check that out well George thanks uh, I, I'm sorry you didn't get out and do a little uh, R&D this week but I'm counting on you next week I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll remedy that problem as soon as you possibly can and, and hopefully avoid the crowds as well but uh, appreciate the, uh, the update and also the tip on, uh, on how to fish it as well
2: Awesome. Yep. We'll have a, a, a accurate, um, personalized report next
0: week. <laughs> well, it's always accurate, but the good news is you can get out and get it personalized again this week. So thanks again, George. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Okay. Uh, yes. You know, why does this song, it, it, I mean, this is just summer, isn't it? There's some, some music uh, beds that just kind of, I don't know. I mean, they set the tone. I don't know what that tune was, whether it was created specifically for the Andy Griffiths show, whether they took it from something. But I'll tell you what, it just says summer. You can't hear that if you're maybe you got to be over 50. I don't know. But you just can't hear that. And not think summer. So it is that time. It is summer, obviously. And it is time to uh, bring in our buddy, Gary Winterton, the ginger ninja himself. Canelo Winterton, who uh, joins us now. Mr. Hooked on Utah. Buddy, how you doing on this uh, holiday weekend?
3: I am doing fantastic, Steve. Um, You know, the French have a word for it when you're trying to describe that song. It's called a certain je ne sais quoi.
0: Ah, look at this. Look at this. He reaches deep into the bag of Utah (laughs) County French. (laughs) You know it, man. Digging deep and just,
3: uh, you know, I like to dazzle him with my brilliance or baffle him with my BS. One of the two.
0: Yeah, well, we know which one that is, but that's okay. (laughs) So listen, did you have a good fourth?
3: That oh, was so good, man. Paying for it. Ate a ton of food, protein <laughs> shock, hit it hard, man. But isn't that what the 4th is all about? Yeah.
0: It's a birthday celebration. Come on, right? If you can't it's overindulge. Family. Yeah, you can't overindulge in a birthday party. When are you going to do it?
3: Yep, yep. And you know what? I love it because it's a great reminder of the wonderful freedoms that we have because of the many, many sacrifices that have been made by many people that have gone before us. Amen. So start it with a little flag ceremony and uh, and remembering how grateful we ought to be for this wonderful nation that we live in. And then uh, once we... Uh you know,
0: get rolling, then it's time to eat and be with family. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about this week's show. We got uh, some fishing. You you found some moving water that was fishable this time of year, which, um, I, I mean, number one, that's a difficult thing to do, but number two, I know you had a good time because I know who you went with, uh, and, uh, and I know that you got some fish.
3: Yeah, you know, gosh, the spring has been interesting from the standpoint of, um finding good fish river water uh because we've had uh you know as we have talked about before this massive snow which we desperately needed and kind of mild temperatures and warming up and mild temperatures has kind of kept the runoff in such a weird state that a lot of rivers around the state of utah have just been in a constant state of being blown out um but but down on uh, that fremont river was sean Saunders, your friend my friend um you know we got to go down there we fish some really good fishable water with some great hatches that are going on trico hatch midge hatch little blueing olive hatch and we were really fishing uh in what is to me one of the funnest ways to fly fish and that's just that top water bite and we had a day where we just had hatches coming off the river and uh we it's just fun i love that i think uh you know, there's nothing like topwater bass or dry fly, you know, dry fly fishing with the, when you're catching fish on the top. visually, I think that's what keeps me coming back for that because you get to stock the fish present that fly and watch them come up and sip it in
0: yeah absolutely well and as you know sean is uh, my daughter-in-law's brother so um uh, it is uh, something i kind of follow what he's doing down there and there are some unbelievable fish in that stretch of fremont river that he has access to you go down and spend the day and you're going to catch some quality quality fish
3: Oh, totally. I wanted to say, doesn't
0: that make you the monkey's uncle? Uh, I've been that for years. (laughs) (laughs) It had nothing to do with marriage, I don't think. I think, uh, uh, you know, it just simply, it's just the way I've been. So what can I tell you? So, talk oh, to me about God. the water levels on that, because the Fremont is one of those rivers, especially that stretch there, that uh, weathers the, uh, the kind of springs we've had quite well. I mean, it's one of those that you don't, you don't deal with the blowouts the way you do on many of the other waters, because it's, it's not dam controlled the same way, and you just don't have to deal with those releases.
3: Yeah, it's true. That's uh, that's a great assessment. Here's there's a couple of factors that really affect that stretch of the river. First, um, if we if we have a rainstorm, there's a couple sections there where once you get rain up high in those kind of the fish lake area or up in the boulders where some of those feeder creeks come in, it can muddy the water and blow it out for one day, and then it will clear right back up. The biggest and most important factor is when the farmers begin to pull water off the river and start hitting, you know, that low abignol area, all the bottoms there for their hay and alfalfa fields. As they begin to pull water, the fishing just gets incredibly good because it brings the water down to a consistent level and flow, and that the fish just seem to like that. Early in the spring, um, even when the water's running clear and we haven't had any runoff, that river just does not fish as well when it's higher and colder. The brown trout that are in there, they like a little bit lower water level for some reason, and the hatches really start to go. So that's what's going on right now. Here we are at, you know, 1st of July, and uh, now the farmers are pulling water off. It's gotten hot down there, so they're they're really watering hard, and it's really improved the fishing. And so uh, we just had an awesome day. You're going to see some fish tonight that are just spectacular, big brown. We catch a rainbow that... uh it's pushing, I want to say, four to six pounds. I'll give myself a mm. two pound cushion and I'll let <laughs> you guys decide. It's a tank on a dry fly. Incredible. And uh, for, so, for those of you that say, Hey, I've never been down there, you know, you get a hold of Sean, FremontRiverGuys.com. But also, Steve, one of mine and your favorite places is the Boulder, Mount, or the Boulder Mountains, and they are just starting to take off now. So, Lots of lakes opening up up there, up high. Great fishing, but tonight, it's, it's going to be fun. y'all. I think you'll like it because we're just we're showing you some of the very best fish we caught on our day down there. We caught so many, we just didn't even plug in the smaller medium-sized fish we're just showing quality browns and bows on dry
0: flies well i i will i'm jealous obviously but we will check it out tonight uh gary thanks i hope you did have a great fourth and uh and we'll check out the show tonight it's always fun to watch down there if i can't go do it myself uh we just kind of the mouth waters as we see those fish so again thanks buddy thanks for joining us this morning and we'll check it out tonight
3: Awesome. Thank you guys for all you do, and I hope you had a
0: wonderful holiday. All right. Th- that is Gary Winterton tonight, Hooked on Utah, 11.05 on KUTV Channel 2, right after Talking Sports. Be sure and check it out with Fremont River Guides and the Fremont River Fly Fishing. Listen, we're going to step aside. We'll be back with some final notes in just a moment, including a segment on a brand-new trip at Lake Powell that you might want to think very seriously about taking.
1: Lazy Yellow moon. Coming up to the night, shining through the trees. Crickets are singing and lightning
0: bugs are floating on the breeze. Baby. Oh, wow, we can change up on the music this morning. Jake's spinning some more hits. Born in the USA, I guess that's absolutely uh, perfect for this weekend's Show, and last week, hope you had a great 4th of July, everybody, and I hope you're still enjoying it. Welcome back to the show. Hey, uh, you know, we talk periodically with our buddy, Captain Ray Golden, down at Tickaboo Lodge, which, of course, is just out of Bullfrog on Lake Powell. One of the really cool places to go because you've got stuff that they can take you on the lake. Uh, they can take you canyoneering. Uh, there's all kinds of cool things. And as I mentioned a few months ago, Ray has received the concession rights to the height area, which is used to be the northern marina at Lake Powell when the water was up. And, of course, over the years with the water level dropping has kind of fallen into disrepair. But it's still the best fishing on the lake. And because it's the northern end of uh, Glen Canyon, it is some of the most scenic areas of the entire lake. You've got the Dirty Devil River feeding in there, and I mean, it's just a, a really a cool area. And one of the things that Ray is going to do with that concession permit is take ATV rides. For the first time ever, the National Park Service has granted someone, i.e. Ray, the right to go in and do uh, and do ATV rides in that northern area. So that is in the works right now, so I thought it would be great to check in with Ray, especially at the this busy time to find out exactly where that is and I understand Ray first of all welcome to the show and second I understand that you had the opportunity to kind of take a pre-ride with the national park service of the area that you will be guiding into in the very near future.
4: Yeah, it was an awesome day. We just went last Thursday, uh just last week and it was a it was a gorgeous day. A little hot out there. But we got to see some terrain that uh, you don't really get to see unless you've got some kind of an off-road vehicle, and uh, we were able to do it for the first time legally and uh, side-by-side.
0: That is, that is really cool. Now, tell us where it is. Where For those who are familiar with the lake and, and with the surrounding country, where is it that you actually went?
4: Well, like you said, we do have a concessionaire height, and we've, uh, the, uh, the, the Park Service has put in a tremendous amount of money to fix up the campgrounds and the RV lots, and it looks so much nicer. And we've redone the outfitter, to help, the outfitter store to help anybody that's going to be outdoors. And a lot of people did. They were like, man, why are you doing something where there's hardly any water anymore? But our whole uh, purpose for taking it was to do land-based activities because it's such a beautiful area. And the drive leaves height, and it goes up uh, 633, which is part of the Flint Trail, that takes you up to the Orange Cliffs. And then when you get to uh, Sunset Pass and uh, Gunsight uh, Butte, it uh, turns and goes uh, west towards Poison Springs. It crosses the Dirty Devil, and then you get to go through uh, the Poison Springs Canyon. So we do it as a loop. And it's about 75 miles, and it was easily able to do, if you're, you know, if you're just enjoying the day and having a good time, six to eight hours, and you've done the whole loop. And it's just fantastic scenery and a lot of really cool historical stuff that you can see there, too.
0: Wow. How far away are you from actually beginning this? Uh, I mean, is, are we talking weeks? Uh, is this going to be sometime before fall?
4: Well, I, you know, that's the that's the tricky part because um, so to in order to make so the Poison Springs area is BLM, and we're already permitted to do trips there through the Hanksville office, but of course we got to stop at the uh, Glen Canyon uh, boundary, mm-hmm. and um, when we took the concessionaire contract, this was part of the idea and the plan that we could offer these types of trips or atv rentals there so that people can go explore this on their own or with a guide uh it's leaning i i I feel like it's probably going to lean more towards having a guide with you because as you know bob grove has told you this a thousand times you know when a guide is with a group they can kind of police it so to speak they can keep an eye on going off the trails and they can you know keep people from doing things you know you're going out there on a guided trip and, and you respect the environment in and, and the in and the natural setting so they might just lean towards it only being available for the concessionaire to do so we'll see how that pans out but um but it was always in the works and uh there's just a few minor uh details that they have to take that the provision is actually sitting in somebody's office in Washington, D.C., and once signed, uh, we're told that it takes 30 days on that federal notice, and then afterwards, that's when the ball rolls and it opens up. So, But you know how that is, Steve. Oh, my
0: my passport application is there as we speak, even after paying the extra money to expedite it. Uh, yeah. And checking on it for a week and a half, it's still listed as regular processing. So I know exactly how that thing yeah. goes. And yeah, my think- my trip to Mexico is in dire danger of not happening because uh, because these guys won't get on the pass. So yeah, I know how about sitting on on federal uh, desks. So uh, hopefully you'll get that done before the uh, calendar year expires.
4: And can't can't you just go down to the border and cross illegally? I mean, it looks like it's
0: okay to do it. it yeah, I, that's true. You know, apparently it's harder for it's harder to do it legally. That's for darn sure. Apparently, you can do it the other way without any trouble at all, and the feds don't uh, don't give it a second glance. Yeah, I'm uh, I, I'm frustrated, obviously, with the passport people, but uh, that's another story. So it looks like though that this, uh, I mean, obviously the concession, the granting of the concession rights for you guys to do this, is a big. Deal. Deal because it's going to allow people to see an area of the lake or the the surrounding terrain that most people have never seen.
4: Yeah, uh, and, it, and it'll give it easy access. So, just about I want to say a month and a half ago, my wife Amy and I took my Jeep uh, Jeep Wrangler, which I, I don't I think you've seen it. It's yes, got big thirty tires on it. Yep. And we took our three Labrador retrievers, and we were going to go drive it just to kind of fi- try to figure out some of the logistics. But, you know, my three dogs, if you looked in the rearview mirror, they looked like popcorn in the back seat just flying up and bouncing around, you know. then you can only do 10, 15 miles an hour. It's really, yeah, it's a slow-moving road. But when you get in those side-by-sides, you know, you can really kick it in 30, 40 miles an hour and move right over that stuff no problem. So, So it was nice to be able to get out there and see it all the way we can actually do the trip in the future. And I think it will be the near future. But there's some definitely some stuff up there that people want to see that sunset pass area was just spectacular. and we had with us that day Brett Stewart, who I know you know, mm-hmm. and Shannon Bushman, who I know you know yep, and uh, Brett showed us um, the inscription of Butch Cassidy, and we got to see a lot of lock art panels and we got to cross the dirty devil, and I don't know if Bob Grove told you so. When we first got awarded the hype contract back in October, I got the phone call when Bob and I was leading a group out uh, behind us here in Tickaboo. And I was so excited there's a lot of water running through Bullfall Creek, so I just picked it up on the, a bird trail. I started we were in that, uh, those new wildcats, Sardicat Cat Wildcat. And I started going about forty, forty-five miles an hour and hit that water just to trash Bob Grove with that big tidal wave. So when I saw, so that was my plan all day. I was like, when I see the Dirty Devil, I'm going to soak Bob Grove again. But the Dirty Devil was really—we actually stopped and considered not going across it. <laughs> really, I
0: imagine it was running pretty high right now.
4: Yeah, it wasn't too bad. Water was coming in the side uh, on the side doors, you know, under just yeah. barely over—not a lot, but you know. And uh, Brett Stewart was in a Am, and uh, he came in behind us, and we all crossed. It. I got some really good pictures. It was a really pretty day. It was a really beautiful wedding.
0: Well, setting. I am excited to take that tour with you because I'll tell you, that's an area. I, you know that I love the northern end of the lake from, from my you know late 70s bass fishing time when you could use Hype Marina. And we used to go down there and fish it every spring. Uh, I mean, the, the most spectacular country, I think, in Lake Powell is the northern end by far.
4: Well, and that whole, so we got, we have permit uh, applications in the Monticello office for BLM on that side of height, um, you know, where Jacob's Chair is, the mm-hmm. Blue Notch Trail, and the Paiute Pass. And that is really some of the most beautiful country in all of southern Utah. It's just, it's really impressive. And, it, and we rent the machines, so anybody can go ride these trails on BLM. It's wide open. Anybody can do it. But for us to do the guided tours, we're just waiting for those permits, which should be to us within 60 or 90 days from the Monticello office. But if nobody's been on those trails, that's something you should go do. Those are really impressive trails. The Jacobs Chair Trail, you actually go up uh, Jacobs Chair, and you're you're not on the the top, of course, but you're not far from it, and it's really an impressive view of uh, Bear's Ear's area.
0: Uh, You know, it is just so... Uh, To me, it is so pleasing to see our public lands finally open to the public. Uh, I mean, listen. I don't care what your politics are. If 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 you're an American, and especially this week of the Fourth of July, these are our lands. We are unique in the world in that we have these public lands that are owned by every one of us, not just the the granola set that can hike forty miles a day with a thirty pound pack on their back, but but everybody. And to have them start to be opened again. And I think the, the Park Service, uh, with this opportunity they've created for ATV uh, access to a lot of this land in the in the Lake Powell area and the National Recreation area down there, it, it is just so refreshing to finally see that people can get an opportunity to look at these things that they never had before because a very small, vocal few would, would have them closed. And it, I, I'm just so happy to see this open up, Uh, we really need to take advantage of it, folks, because I'll tell you, if things change in a couple of years, they're going right back to the old restrictive times. It's, it will take virtually no time at all for these things to be closed off again. So while they are open, this is the time to go take your machine down there and enjoy some of this scenery that is yours. You pay your taxes. You, you are part of the ownership of this thing. And it's about time you got a chance to use it. And I I just love the fact that, uh, that it's, that that has come to fruition right now. So I would urge you. And I, And I'll tell you, you're uniquely situated there at Tickaboo Lodge to put people right on the fringe of this. They can get right there on the doorstep. And from your place, they can go, whether it's going through the height area on the ATVs, whether it's taking, um, uh, you know, jet ski or personal watercraft tours up north, whether it is uh, going into the canyoneering areas uh, or whether it's on the lake itself. Uh, They've got so much opportunity from one stop shopping at Tickaboo. Lodge to virtually do any kind of outdoor adventure that you want to do with the family.
4: That's right, too. And, and it's also, it's exclusionary, too. I mean, if you think about it, you know, our country is very um, adamant right now. There's a lot of protests going on to try to prevent, um, you, know, diff, you know, the different views of different religions or races. Everybody wants equal rights. But this, and I've only been in Utah going on four years, and really on the East Coast, you don't have a whole lot of ATV, UTV yeah. side by side, anything out there. But here, it's a really big area, and I don't understand. These are some of the greatest people. Actually, they're they're one of my biggest fans. I love the the people who go on the ATV trails. They're good, good, working honest people. And excluding them from what's rightfully theirs yeah. is no different yeah. than stop in the building of a church because you don't like the religion. I mean, there's really no difference.
0: No, no. The pastime is legal. The irony is, and I've said it before, we pay a lot more taxes than the granola set, okay? I mean, if you want to come right down to user fees, we're the ones that provide the money for the maintenance of these lands, for the management of these lands. Uh, It comes from our dollars. Not Not from the guys that show up with their sack lunch and bottled water and put $5 worth of gas and as they stop into one of our rural Utah communities, it comes from us. And so, um, you know, the people who have jobs in this country, if you're going to exclude somebody, then exclude the people who don't pay anything, okay? But the people who pay the freight are the ones that ought to have an opportunity to do it. Now, we'll include everybody because we are an inclusionary segment of the society. The exclusionary segment is the segment that has had mostly a full run of our public lands for way too long. So get in and enjoy them while you can, because if those folks get an opportunity, I guarantee you they will be back at it again with a new vengeance and a new zeal. Hey, Ray, congratulations on the uh, on getting the, um, uh, the opportunity to do this with the concession rights. And again, I'm, I'm excited. Let me know when we can go take that ride because I am definitely in and I would encourage anybody else if you if you don't know what Tickaboo Lodge offers check them out online go to the website and um And see, it's a great place to stay if you're going to Lake Powell, because you've got all the creature comforts, including the swimming pool and the air conditioning. And yet you're right uh, there at Bullfrog and um, and you're the jumping off point for everything land based as well. So, uh, Ray, hope you had a great fourth. I hope you have a terrific summer and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for joining me this morning.
4: Thank you, Steve. You have a great
0: day, buddy. All right, and be sure to say hi to Amy for me, because that's definitely the best half of that. Ray's a good guy, but his other half is definitely uh, terrific. So, all right, listen, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. We are done. Man, again, the hour has gone quickly. I want to thank my guest, Ray Golden. I want to thank Scott about uh, I want to thank, obviously, George and uh, and Gary and everybody else. But most importantly, thanks to you. Enjoy this America's Birthday Celebration, and uh and enjoy the rest of the summer but i'll be along next week again saturday morning eight to nine right here 97.5 the zone until then as always my friends you have been warned